Hey, this is Trevor from the Boo Crew. We'll be back with another all-new episode in the days to come, but for now, we wanted to take a bit of time to introduce you to another show on the Bloody FM Podcast Network. From Bloody Disgusting's lead critic Megan Navarro, creepy podcasts John Grills, and horror blogger and YouTuber the real queen of horror, Zena Dixon, it's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast. Every week, they have discussions about their fave things in horror, news, reviews, and more. We'd love to share with you a spoiler-laced episode of theirs and one of our faves, a deep dive into Danny and Michael Philippou's extraordinary Talk to me, a modern classic. If you've seen it, you know what I mean. If you like what you hear, give them a follow on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy this episode of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, and the Boo Crew will be back with our regular brand of mediocrity very soon. Sweet screams. Virginia, and I wanted to share a uh, formative story of horror uh, for y'all for the for the season. And um, it is uh, when I was in high school in the late 2000s. Um, I was in theater; I, I still am. But um, I went, and our theater teacher would sometimes go and and be like, "Well, you know, if you don't want to." have class, you can like bring in a movie and we can and we can watch it. And so I once decided that uh I was gonna bring in a movie. So I asked like, hey, can I bring in um a movie of Peter Jackson's uh, some of his early work before he, he did Lord of the Rings. And I was like, oh yeah, sure, you can bring it in. And uh so I brought in um one of my favorite Peter Jackson movies, which is Dead Alive. And somehow I got away with us watching all of it in class, um, but some people were not happy with my choice, and I was asked to that I was never allowed to uh, bring movies to class again. So um, I thought it was funny. I thought it's kind of a different story. So um, yeah, love the podcast, and hope y'all are doing well. Stay spoopy. Thanks, Matt. That is both awesome. And a little bit sad and a little bit terrifying that a high school class not familiar with Dead Alive would suddenly <laughs> be subjected. Oh, it's Peter Jackson. He does the gnomes and the elves and stuff like that. Oh, God. <laughs> custard. Never. They were serving custard in the cafeteria that day. <laughs> I think I would have been so extremely happy to have a teacher like not know what she's doing and actually allow that to be played. Yeah. I I want to watch that in school. <laughs> that would be so awesome. I, that teacher's amazing. I, I I do have a a small theater story. Not that I was a theater kid by any means, but I did take a theater class my senior year because I took all classes that I wanted to not try super hard in, and it turned out that I really liked the teacher. Blah blah. Anyway, we had to do these kind of monologues or, or uh, whatever two people doing a scene is called. If that's a, a a specific that is not name. a monologue. monologue. It's not a monologue. Is, oh, it's no. a con- I think it's just a conversation at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's just a conversation. It's a dialogue. Yeah, it's one of those. And <laughs> like the bit was the the scene was is like two guys 
it, it was just like telling stories. And one of the guys just kind of goes off the deep end with this story. And for some reason, we decided we were going to set it in a bar and like put like we were playing pool and all that stuff. And he brought in beer mugs. And we put, like, apple juice in the beer mugs. And, like, he brought in, like, a shot glass. And we put in, like, apple juice in a shot glass. Like, so while he's telling this annoying story, I'm being annoyed, like, taking a shot, stuff like that. We're, like, I think I'm 17, 18 years old. The other guy was, like, 16 or something. And there was serious talk about them saying, like, yeah, you might get expelled for this. And we're like, for what? You brought in a beer mug. We're like, there wasn't any beer in it. Like, well... That that's beside the point. It was like a, almost a no tolerance thing with glassware. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my, come on! And this was—I'm not going to date myself for how old I am, but this was long enough ago that that shouldn't have been that big of a deal. And it was just like, so I can only imagine if we had brought in Dead Alive to screen as opposed. So I thought it'd be fun if we could figure out what's the most extreme horror we think we could have gotten away with when we were in high school. I don't think we could have gotten away with Dead Alive. I am sincerely impressed. That's crazy. That you got through the entire screening of Dead Alive. Um, I think at most, we probably maybe could have done like Evil Dead 2 mm-hmm. or something like that. Where there, there's go, but but kind of on the same level. Like they're not, people aren't really paying attention, but the kids watching can maybe get through it without some. I, I can't believe no student like in the middle didn't freak out. Just like call the teacher or cry or something. But I I feel like it'd have to be something kind of gateway horror-y. Schools now, you'd be suspended and your life would be over and your scholarships would be taken away and everything else. But how about you two? Do you think you could get away with anything even beyond like PG-13? Yes, maybe. I mean, I don't know because it's all hypothetical, obviously. But I remember like senior year in high school where we all hit that stage of like senioritis were checked out because we're yeah. graduating soon and a teacher put on gladiator, which I thought was oh. kind of risque for it being high school. Cause I think it's R and there's definitely some violence. Yeah. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking based on that, I could get away with something like the ring, like the remake, mm. but nothing that much harder than that. Well, I, I remember in college I was in a communications class and they showed Glengarry Glen Ross, which is Full of squaring, but it's classic. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. But he, in college, the professor was like, all right, as a warning, there's a lot of swearing. If you don't, I'm like, this is college. Are you effing kidding me mm-hmm. that you still had to do that one? <laughs> Did you ask him that? Are you effing? Did you say it like that? <laughs> Are you effing kidding me, professor? Uh, that would have been more talking than I usually do in a school oh, class. You just I said actually... it with your eyes then. I did, yes. <laughs> In my crossed arm and slouch posture. How about you, Zena? Um, you know what? I was fortunate enough where I went to a high school where they were actually pretty open to a lot hmm. of things. Um, so like because I remember when I was, I think in high school, we watched the movie Thirteen. And even though that's not a horror oh. movie, it's pretty, you know. Oh, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. But, you know, they said, well, it's a coming of age story. So I think that I could have said that Battle Royale or Ginger Snaps <laughs> was. <laughs> I think I could have said that, that that's a coming of age story. And I think Man. I would have gotten away with it. Coming of age, coming of age, potato, mm-hmm. potato. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Oh, you said, no, I said rage. See, you weren't listening to (laughs) me. I said rage, not rage. Close. Very close. So close. 
All right. Our second question came in via uh, direct message. Hey, Dark Trio, love the show. I know the three of you have different feelings about origin stories, but I was curious about the podcast origin story. Aww. Was it an innocent post on a message board? Were you all digging through the same discount movie bin? Or something much more sinister, like an unmarked invitation? That would have been so much cooler. Whoa. I'm safely outside the terror triangle formed between Minnesota, Florida, and Texas, so I'd love to hear how it all began. Thanks for doing it, too. Mark from Pennsylvania. Thanks, Mark. It's funny that, you know, 150 episodes, I don't think we've ever said how this started, have we? I don't think so. I don't think we have. So, in my memory, again, this started during COVID. Mm -hmm. Like, So, my memory might be very skewed of how I Uh remember it. Okay, well, I remember. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so we'll fact check me as this goes along. Yeah, <laughs> we'll keep it accurate. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Accuracy. Okay. <laughs> so when, when uh, before I got into any kind of podcasting, uh, audio drama or narration or anything like that, I d- actually did uh, another podcast that I won't mention for a long time where it was just me and like a friend of mine for years and years and years talking about this shared interest that we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was never great, but we got kind of a niche audience because of what we were talking about. And we, it was just kind of cathartic. And it was a reason for two buddies to get together and have some beers and, and chat about what we liked. But then COVID hit and it stopped because mm-hmm. we weren't getting together. We weren't going anywhere. We had tried the Skype thing. It just didn't work. Like our chemistry was off. It wasn't really as fun. And I started getting kind of depressed during quarantine like i think a lot of people did partially because i just i didn't have social interactions like Mm -hmm. my pastimes are social or (laughs) as anti-social as i am or social settings and i missed talking about this thing that i loved and there was so much anger and hate and rage in the world like there still is yeah and i was just like i just want to talk about stuff that i like and like, and I was listening to podcasts where people were just bashing things like, oh my God, this sucks and whatever. It's like, can we talk about something we like? And I was like, well, I like horror movies. So I, I think I'd approach Tom at Bloody Disgusting. Like, hey, I kind of have an idea for another podcast if you're interested. And he's like, well, if we're going to do another podcast, I'd want it to be more like conversational, like talking mm-hmm. about horror. I'm like, yeah, that. <laughs> and I was like, I'd love to like talk with some people. And, and he kind of asked who I had in mind. And top of my list was Megan, who I'd never met. But I've been reading her reviews for years, and I'm like, if there's anyone who knows horror, like, it's Megan, like, mm-hmm. especially that has a network connection. And I had emailed Megan, and we we chatted a little bit about interest, and I asked, like, if you had recommendations for a third, because I, I personally think three just helps, too, especially if one of us is sick or busy or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't um, knock the rails off. And Xena was a top of your list. And I wasn't familiar with Zena's blog and I kind of looked into it. And then, you know, we, we, we spent about a month practicing, right? We like once a week, we just kind of did like practice. Yeah. Zena and I are not podcasters. Yeah. 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 I mean, like I've done podcasts, but I was just, um, I'm shy, you know, so <laughs> believe it or not, Such I, am, a I am, I'm, I'm very shy. I'm a shy, delicate flower. So I was a little bit nervous about, you know, doing it, but, uh, yeah, it just seemed like we, we clicked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it kind of went from there. Like it was really, like I said, like I say in the intro every week, like it's, it's these things that we love. Mm-hmm. It's the, the, the focus has always been about horror. So people send in questions sometimes like, what's a, 
what's a movie that everyone else likes that you don't like, well, we don't, we're, we're not going to talk about that because we all have movies. We don't like every once in a while they slip out on the podcast. And like, oh, I didn't like that one, but that's not the point. The point is to try and like put something into the world about, no, these are things we love and mm-hmm. like, Hey, maybe you're interested in seeing this too. And maybe have a little bit of positivity in this not very positive world at times so if that is that sound about right yeah yeah Yeah, i think that that's fact check wrong no god damn it (laughs) that's not how it happened at all you kidnapped the two of us and (laughs) we're holding up ransom notes you can't see it or we can we can say this we can say this that we were all vacationing and what's some place that's kind of in the middle kind of in the middle well, I need. I need Kansas. to look. I need to look this up. This Bermuda Triangle of yeah. horror okay. uh, in the I, states. I I'm obsessed with this idea. That's so, that's where I'm gonna. I'm gonna look it up, and that's the the discount bin we met yeah, at. We met as at. we're all grabbing for we will wild all, zero in the yeah. five dollar bin and or we, something. We just became connected. <laughs> The West Coast is safe, evidently, but watch yeah. out! Watch out! There's a vortex happening in the middle of that triangle. <laughs> You're in a whole lot of trouble. Speaking about being in a whole lot of trouble, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to help us discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And you know her from a YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror and Infinite Love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, maybe we can help. We're breaking from the usual format to take another deep dive, this time with Talk To Me, which is now available on digital and VOD. I know that certainly because I bought it last night, and I almost bought the DVD, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. All right. It's deep dive time, baby. So fair warning. Fair warning. If you (laughs) have not seen this movie, just turn off the podcast. I, I don't say that much. No. But, yeah. <laughs> no. Don't don't ruin it. It's yeah. I. Please just don't, just don't just go unless watch you it. love spoilers. Unless, unless you love, love spoilers. spoilers, and some people do. Some people like having it spoiled and then watching the movie because it takes tension out or whatever. Fine. Then we're here to help you. <laughs> Otherwise, stop listening and go watch it. And then going back. this. Yes, and going into this blind is really the only way to get the most out of the film, in our opinions. But again, do you? So. Last spoiler warning. If you're still listening, it's all on you. So in case you're scrambling to stop listening wherever you are, slow countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, here we go. Reins are officially in Megan's hands. So Megan, why don't you go ahead and start us off? I'm in charge. I'm the captain now. Now, uh, I'm going to start like I have before when we did our deep dive on Scream 6. A little basic background on the movie. Talk to Me premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January where it ignited a bidding war. That was the the film, the hot ticket item of the film that had a massive bidding war right out of the gate. It was scooped up by indie distributor A24 and released in theaters, at least in the States, on July 28th. I think it released in Australia 
where this movie was made in on like the day before. Um, it's a feature debut by twin brothers Michael and Danny Filippo, who first made a name for themselves through the popular Racka Racka YouTube channel, uploading homemade slashers and chaotic cam chaotic comedy sketches uh one of the most memorable and viral being one that featured ronald mcdonald going on a blood-soaked <laughs> rampage at a rival <laughs> chicken shop so yeah they they've been building to this for a while um plot wise it follows a group of friends who discover how to conjure spirits uh using an embalmed hand it's part of the latest party craze uh and they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces so, first question for you both is, what kind of expectations did you have going into this movie? Did you think you were going to like it? Did you think you were going to hate it? Was the hype too high? And then, how did you feel coming out of it? So, Cena. I was so excited about this one. I broke my rule and I watched the trailer. You know, I was so excited yeah. about it. And so, yeah, I, I just, I was avoiding, like, reviews after that and what people were saying. And then... Um, when I checked it out, it's, we, we kind of touched on this on a couple of episodes back. It, yeah. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't, it didn't stick with me as much as I wanted it to stick with me. Like there's some movies that I find myself still thinking about it, like moments after weeks after months after. And with mm -hmm. this one, it was just like, I, I left the theater and that was it. Like I didn't mm. sadly think about it, but I mean, not saying that it was a bad movie. I feel like the directors, they did an awesome job. They're really talented. I cannot wait to see what else they're going to do. And of course I'm going to support them, but it was just one of those movies where sadly for me, it didn't stick with me. Mm. John. Uh, I actually saw this when I was at Midsummer scream. Uh, there was a theater right across from the convention center and mm -hmm. You know, I'm not being a convention guy or really knowing what to expect and, and what times I had to be there, et cetera, for my stuff. I woke up and, and I was like, I have a lot of time to kill. And I thought about going to see Oppenheimer because that's mm -hmm. like right when Oppenheimer had been in theaters or uh, they'd been yeah. in theaters for a couple of weeks. So I must have seen it on opening weekend. And there was a couple other people from the network. I kind of was like, hey, I'm going to go see a movie. Anyone interested? Kind of just putting it out there. I would have just gone yeah. by myself. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're thinking about going to see Talk to Me. And someone else at the network had seen a screener and it, it said really like rave reviews about it. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay. I think all I really remembered was the image of the hand. I didn't, mm -hmm. I, I didn't really know much about the movie. And I went and I and saw it and I was sitting there and it, I was a little bit like Xena that at first I was watching it and I was like, and, and I left and I was like, yeah, that was good. But like, there was only like one specific scene I remember that really stuck with me that we'll get, we'll, we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of like, you know what? It, it, but it, it grew on me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where like the more I thought about it and the more I kind of talked with other people, it was a little bit like X where I kind of talked myself into it. Not as layered as X was mm -hmm. like for me, but I kind of talked myself into it. Like, God, this is, this is just a good horror movie. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't full of, jump scares by any mm -hmm. means it but it had just this kind of constant it was like it felt familiar but it wasn't it was new and i don't know like it just like it just worked and so yeah it was just one of those things where no expectations and it was fine but it kind of grew in my head and now it's no spoilers for later this year but it's one of my favorite movies of the year awesome how about you megan I was super lucky to catch a Sundance's 
one of my favorite festivals in terms of their programming and the fact that it's so, it's like at the beginning, it's the first festival of the year for, mm-hmm. for me. I don't think there's any, cause it's like January. So I don't think there's any, I think it literally is the first of the year anyways. Um, which means there is zero hype. All of these movies are brand new. There, mm-hmm. there's no pre-fest hype. There's no fest hype. I mean, there is after, but like that. So there's no frame of reference. You have there's no trailer. There's no there's like whatever still they release. So it is literally going in blind, and I feel like that's makes a movie like this to go in blind. Yeah. Um, so for me, I didn't know what what I was getting into has a plot log line that reads like it could be Ouija board, but then mm-hmm. you get something that's way more visceral. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really responded to, you know, you don't see ghosts being this bloody and violent. Yeah. And I am a sucker for that. Um, so yeah, I, I really liked it. I really liked it coming out of the fest. So that's, that's how I, you know, I had no preconceived notions and I came out really liking it, but I also understand some of the criticisms, which I feel like is a good segue to talk about mm-hmm. the characters because Sophie Wilde is your main character. She plays Mia. She is the teen who is still grieving uh, over the loss of her mother and kind of assimilated into her best friend Jade's uh, household. Jade has a younger brother named Riley, who is kind of like her surrogate family. Mom is Miranda Otto, who plays Sue. So... Um, all of that preamble just kind of set up that Mia, the character, has a lot of, I feel like a lot of criticism um, in the wake of this movie's release where people are either annoyed by her actions or not. So I thought that would be a good kind of segue to talk mm. about how you felt about Mia specifically and how authentic you feel that both uh, Sophia Wilde and really the whole cast at how effective they were at portraying teenagers authentically. Um, you know, at first I, my biggest takeaway the first time I watched it, I just felt bad for Mia. Yeah. I was like, wow, yeah. this movie's going to start with things sucking for you. Oh, they don't get better. Mm-hmm. It yeah. only gets worse for you. And I, I don't know what the criticisms are about her behavior. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe teenagers now are like, oh, no, this isn't what we would be like. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure teenagers would try and destroy the world if they got a demonic hand and they would just use it like a party game and yeah. we would all die that way. Um, but no, like she was she was struggling and she was being I, I think I think what people might not get is the fact that she's being manipulated the entire movie. Right. Mm-hmm. She's just trying to fit in. Like she feels like an outsider and she's grasping at straws, which is why she even ends up at that party in the first place. My only yeah. questionable thing is she's like, yeah, Riley, come along. Like that kid's <laughs> like 12. Why are you bringing him to the first party? That that was a weird choice. But she probably feels a closer connection to him anyway. And she just wants someone else there that she knows likes her. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, it, the rest of it is, yeah, her being manipulated by ghosts, mm-hmm. which yeah. I think maybe people missed. Then they thought, no, her mom wasn't. Mani- no, she was being manipulated the yeah. entire time. And she's a teenager who's grieving and desperate. And mm-hmm. no, I thought she was great. And when she gets possessed, I thought her performance and Riley's performance when they're possessed were fantastic. I yeah. thought they were so good. Shame. Um, I like Mia. You know, I don't have a problem with the cast. I feel like, you know, performance wise, I think that, you know, like you said, John, she did an incredible job. They all did an incredible job. I think that they really 
they're believable teens. And, you know, kind of like we talked about, teens do dumb things. We've all, when we were teens, we've done some dumb yes. stuff. Perhaps not with a, you know, possessed hand, but we've done some stuff. So kind of like what you, again, just said already, John, like, you know, going into it, like, I felt bad for her. You know, her home life isn't really that great. Her dad, I don't think he's purposely trying to treat her the way that he is. He he just doesn't know what to do at this point, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. what what could you do? You know what I mean? Um, in that type of situation, then she's a teenager. Then you already know she wants to have fun. You know, they like to party all the time, you know, (laughs) type of stuff. So, but no, I honestly, I didn't have a problem with the characters again. Like I, that was one of my favorite things about this movie, the performances, because it felt real. Same. I agree. Especially, Especially the mom, Sue. She's so good in this. She's so funny trying to call out the kids. Yeah. Like trying to trick them into t- saying when the party is. And it's, it's, it seems like something that they would do. And then on top of that, you know, they wanted to sneak out. They wanted to go to a party. And come on again. I'm not going to lie. If I was a teenager and there was like this embalmed hand, I probably would have tried it like a clown. You know, I would have tried it. Well, yeah. especially when everyone around you is like, it's, it's a lie. It's not real. And Mia just wanted to be involved, which yeah. is why she volunteered. She probably didn't really think it was real. And then she touched the hand and said, talk to me and was like, <laughs> but, but they all kind of treat it like it's almost like a drug, right? Yeah. Like they finish it and they're like, it's like this amazing ride. Yeah. So at first I was like, oh my God, why would you do that again after that happened? But the the concept is like there's this just it, the the vibe from it is like no it's it's just trippy it's yeah. insane like yeah let's do it again of and course kids are gonna do that she just seemed like she needed an escape so mm-hmm. it just made a lot of sense why she was so drawn to it in the first place yeah I agree I I think Sophie Wilde which they had to fight for her to to be the lead in this movie because you know mm-hmm. whoever was financing definitely the goal is you want somebody more well-known that can sell those tickets, but they fought for her. And I think that that was a pretty smart gamble that paid off for them. Yeah. I I just thought that these were teens behaving like teens. Like mm-hmm. when we're young, you have, what is that called? Like the, where you just, your the, prefrontal the cortex like, isn't fully formed. But there's like a, it's called something like a fable where, you know, you just don't expect anything bad to happen to you and you're sure. rash. Yeah. And you're, you know, like it's so easy to to couch watch a backseat yeah. drive from your couch and be like, that's that's a really dumb horror movie decision. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. but she doesn't know she's in a horror movie. Um, so she's not making any choices to me that feel out of character for what she's been through and what, you know, her age is. So that 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 reminds me. So I was at an apple orchard last Friday with my wife. It was lovely. It was beautiful weather. <laughs> we were enjoying some cider. <clears throat> but we, but there's like a path kind of cut into the woods. No one was going back there, but there was clearly a path in the trees. Yeah. And it was just a nice day. We're like, okay, let's take a walk. And we walked through this archway of trees. And before we like go in, I'm like, you know, this is the part in the horror movie. Someone's yelling at us. Right. <laughs> and my wife just kind of laughs. And then we walked to the end of it and there's a row of, there's like all this, it's a big cornfield. <laughs> and my wife's first comment was, think there's any kids in there? <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah. and I laughed. I was like, I have to tell Zena and Megan that one. <laughs> but it's like when you, yes, people, people get too down on horror movie cliches. Like they're not realistic. They're absolutely realistic they are. Yeah. because yeah. you're not thinking right mm-hmm. because oh, you don't yeah. think it's a horror movie. Right. Yeah, That's the point. 
you're at a party. That's the that's yeah. the least scary setting for for anything to go wrong, you know. Yes. And on and, top of and- that. Oh, just real quick, I was going to say on top of that, it looked like they lived in a small town, so there's probably nothing yeah. else to do if you're there. If you're not yeah. there, then you're probably at home. So, yeah. Yeah. And and what I actually, something I kind of appreciated towards the end of the movie is not really recognizing any of the actresses except for Sue, Miranda Otto, that they were all good actors. Mm-hmm. Like the what generally when you don't recognize the whole cast, you're like, okay, this is gonna be low budget and you're gonna right. kinda get what you get, but they were all strong performances. Like I feel like that can't be overlooked by these kids I'd never seen before. Maybe they have I'm sure they have roles in Australian soap operas or mm-hmm. T V shows or movies or whatever. But on like internationally, yeah. When you're trying to cast the movie, you want to get some sort of star power or name yeah. recognition. And they yeah. didn't have it, but they didn't need it, in mm-hmm. my opinion, for the performances. Because no. you can be Same. a fantastic, a big name and still have a horrible performance. What difference does it make? Yeah. Um, something else that this movie does that's a little bit different, because it does have kind of a familiar setup and, you know, teens F around and find out <laughs> through a cursed object, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty well-trod kind of subgenre there. Um, but one of the things that it does differently outside of the brutality and the violence is the tonal shift. I feel like you have such a very frenetic front half, the party montage, the lively music, and then it slows down and gets a little bit more supernatural, gets Mm -hmm. a bit more melancholy, which is a thing that is a bit divisive, I think, for audiences. Mm. So I was curious if... That was something you picked up on, and how did that affect your experience with the movie, if at all? So I noticed that there was a shift. You know, the opening scene, I felt like, you know, kind of set the tone because it's pretty brutal. You know, stuff, yeah. something happens right away. And then it shifts more into kind of like grief because, again, going back uh, to the main character, Mia, as a viewer, like, regardless of the dumb things that she does, Um, You feel sorry for her because clearly she doesn't know any better. She's just someone who misses her mom. So from there, it just it it started off like I thought it was going to be more teen type of horror, you know, but there's just there is something very dark, you know, about this one. Um, Like even the way that it looks, it just looks bleak, you know, like you just know that some terrible stuff is going to happen. But I kind of like, I like the shift of it because it went in a direction that I did not know. I thought that we were going to see them messing around more with the hand before some stuff actually went down. But I like the fact that it took that shift. And then even the ending, the ending also once again took a turn where I wasn't expecting it to take it, you know, that way. And I'm not going to lie, you know, I couldn't help myself. I remember when I went to the theaters to see it, um, there was only like three other people in the theater. But, you know, when stuff started going crazy again, like in, more in the middle, I wanted to say like, oh, this is getting out of hand. But I stopped myself because I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be that person. <laughs> so I just I just sat there. But yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I love the opening of the movie because you have no idea what's going on. And then the concept of all of a sudden the kid stabs himself in the face with a butcher knife. Yeah. Like you didn't see him stabbing his, his, you know. But not only that, but then I was talking to my wife a little bit about that. All the teens taking out their cameras right away during like yeah. the freak out. Yeah. And it, it, I had this really weird moment of realization that like he's screaming like, what's wrong with you? Put your phones away. What the hell? Like he's pissed. Yeah. Do teenagers today even know they're doing it? 
Like, See, is it turned into a thing where you're so used to taking out your camera to videotape something that you're not even thinking, I don't, I shouldn't be, this is invasive. This is someone's life versus they live in this viral world of that. Ha- if it, if you didn't record it on your camera, it didn't happen. Like how many concert footage or how many times do you look at a concert and all you see are cameras raised? Yeah. Like no one's watching the concert. They're just mm-hmm. videotaping it. So it like that help kind of set for me this concept of oh yeah these are teens yeah, yeah. and they're, they're not grasping the 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 danger that they're in the middle of like what like megan was saying like mm-hmm. the fable or the content or the complex or whatever it is like and then like the shift it's jarring sure but i think it, i think it works i think it keeps you on the edge mm-hmm. like you don't know what to expect because you go from that frenetic music and pace and what just happened yeah. to melancholy and and just morose almost and no i thought i like it because it's not something i expected and i like stuff like that i like to be surprised so it wasn't a a problem at all for you to slow down the tone no but and because like i said i didn't know much about the movie so i'm just like all right let's just see what happens like i was confused at first like are we gonna address this again yeah and and they do like they get back to it, but I think that also people just get too impatient. We live in this wor- world where you only watch stuff for twenty seconds at a time. It's like okay, well, you got to watch this for an hour mm-hmm. for it to circle back. Um, Deal with it. I was reading up a little bit on this movie, and there was an interview with RogerEbert dot com where Michael Philippou said Bong Joon Ho's Memories of Murder was a big inspiration for us and in how he blends tone. Before talk to me. One of the scripts we wrote was called Concrete Kings, and we got told by a script editor that there were no films that merged genres in the way we wanted to. We said, but Bong Joon-ho does it. And he responded that Korean films have a tone of their own. And we said back to him, that's what we want to tackle, is to make a movie that feels like one story but bounces through different emotions. Life isn't just one emotion. I think mm. I think he did it. That's I awesome. think he did it, which, you know, I understand why that is jarring for people. Um but yeah, I don't know that this movie would be as effective if it just kept, I don't know if you can sustain that high level of energy throughout that the first half does, uh, which yeah. speaking of the second half and yeah, it's more melancholy and depressing and almost dreamlike in, in how it's navigating that, which mm-hmm. means that we obviously have to talk about the ghostly realm and the world building and the lore of this movie, what worked and what maybe didn't work for you. Nina. So, okay, I liked mm. uh, the ghost world. I wanted to see more of that. Like, I found that so interesting. And kind of like you said, it did feel very dreamlike because I found myself in a trance wanting more. Um, I think for me, it was just kind of like, it's not so much of the slowdown. It just felt like nothing was really happening. You know, um, not so much with... Um, Jeez, I forgot his name. Yeah. With with Riley, you know, he's in the hospital. But it's like, you have Mia, like, you know, she stole the hand and then she's secretly talking to her mom in the night. Um, we do have, I, I know we're going to talk about this particular scene, but, um, okay, I'll wait to say that, jumping over stuff. But yeah. No, you can, no, you you can. can. we're it. talking about okay. Ghost Realm. Okay, so. It's a spoiler. <clears throat> 
free zone. Yeah. So or spoiler filled zone. It's, it's very spoiled. Okay. So point is, like, she was in the middle of the night, you know, talking to her mom, and it's just like, as the viewer, like, and then again, as the viewer, as someone who's a horror fan, we we've seen stuff like this. We know that it's not a good idea what she's doing, but at this point, it's kind of like she's already done so so many not so smart things. But after even yeah. seeing what happened to Riley. You are still continuing on, but then I'm still being understanding because it's like at this point, she probably feels like she has nothing else to lose. Like, you know, she doesn't really have that connection with her dad, but I don't know. There was just something about it for me where it was just like nothing really felt like anything was happening. Yeah, it was cool seeing the the, the haunting visions and stuff like that, Um, but it just, it just felt like it kind of just was going like in a straight line and then there was a major dip for me where I just found myself that I couldn't focus on it. I found myself wanting to look away, look at my phone. I didn't, you know, when I was in the theaters, but oh, yeah. even when I rewatched it again, I felt the same way. Like there's a certain part where it just, I, I didn't really feel as connected to it as I wanted to, at least as I was in the beginning, you know? Yeah. Um, so what's that? So the lore, the mythology, they, they tease mm-hmm. it, but they don't get into it enough for, me. for it to, to have enough like thematic wait for, for you. me and and i i was ex- i mean maybe it's just like well that's you expecting but yeah i was expecting no no i feel like that's a lot of people have similar yeah. complaints i was expecting yeah. more of that but then once again you know like i said i'm still being super understanding of this character mia but in a way just being honest with you it also felt like she had no type of growth at all like she didn't learn from these things where it's just like all right like i like we said at the beginning teenagers do some dumb things but then once again you saw what happened to Riley? You see where he is. And I understand you want to save him, but then you keep on taking it on your own and doing that. And I'm still, again, being understanding because I know that she does have her issues and she feels like she needs to save him because she feels like it is her fault. And, it, you know, it kind of is, you know. But I don't know. It just, it really, it was unfortunate. But I just, something fell apart for me. But then at the end... The end kind yeah. of put me back in because I was just like, oh, you know, that's that's really good. You know, I liked how like that twist, you know, came along. And then, it, you know, as a viewer, you have that question where it's just like, do you think that Mia jumped or do you think that she was pushed? You know, so I kind of like that. And it depends on how you interpret it, unless there really is just one way. But you, even when I would talk with other people, some people who I went to go check the movie out with, People had different views on it, which, you know, I love a conversation starter. Then the last thing is, so I feel like I'm talking too much. When it comes to the sequel, I'm for sure going to check it out, you know, because I'm curious because the ending put me back in. But just being honest, if I didn't feel that way about the ending, I'm not too sure if I would be, I would check out the sequel, but I wouldn't be in a rush to check it out. I wouldn't be excited about it, yeah. I think my wife actually said something similar, that she's not that interested. She she liked the movie, by the way, too, Mm -hmm. but she isn't necessarily as interested in the sequel. Um probably for kind of similar reasons and i get what you're saying i hadn't thought about it until now but i think that the peaks the peaks and valleys it's like really high highs and then when you're not dealing with the supernatural aspects it just the baseline feels lower than normal like it's just like you're now you're pulled back into this world because like we don't get answers from this really the supernatural world, like really what happened and what caused it and things like that. So we're on this really high ride of this is, this is crazy. And then it's like, okay, now back to the real world mm-hmm. and relationships. And you're kind of like, oh, okay. And like, so I think yeah. it, it, it could totally feel abrupt. Um, 
I I was again I was okay with it, um, but I get what you're saying about that, and you would have liked to have seen more. But I but again I kind of like not getting a lot. Like the my favorite scene, like I'd said earlier, is the depiction of hell mm-hmm. or what Riley's going through, and just that that torment. If it's even hell, right. if it's even hell, or even the tor- it just could just be afterlife, and this is what you're stuck mm-hmm. at. Or that's not what's happening at all, and it's the ghost manipulating her. We don't Absolutely. even know that. Yeah. She was just shown the thing that would make her want to kill Riley because it's just yeah. evil and wants the kid to die. Like because yeah. he's clearly. He's fine by the end of it. Why did the ghost suddenly leave him at the end of it? Like, you know, like, so, or we think it's right. Even the ending is up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we actually seeing? Um, but I have theories. <laughs> oh yeah. I yeah, think I there's lots of theories. And, but like, it was funny cause I kept telling my wife, I was waiting to see that depiction of hell again. Cause that was the thing that really stuck in my head when I left the theater. Cause I loved it. That concept of the torment. And I was like, and I finally got to it and we watched I'm like, that was the scene. It was only a couple seconds. And I told her it was only a couple of seconds. I'm like, that, like that. I loved the the coloring, the torment, the the editing of it. Loved it. And she's like, oh, that's what you were waiting for? I was like, did, did that not work for you? She goes, I was raised Catholic. So I was just kind of expecting that. Uh, <laughs> she's like. Maybe she's seen this society. Well, she's like. I that, mean, because that's what I thought of. Well, because she's like, that's what hell is to her. She was mm-hmm. raised in this idea of this constant torment. And I was, you know, not raised that way. So I was like, oh, my God, that's effing horrible. <laughs> I think that's yeah. why I'm probably so drawn to it. Um, Because what you said, Megan, with it seemed very much like society, you know. It's the shunting. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like I like it looked like agonized like horrible so it's just like i wanted like, to see yeah. more um but in a way it's like i get why they didn't show us more just get a little taste you know but i don't know i'm selfish yeah. and I, I want it all <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know i do think that they they maybe could have filled this um maybe they were a little too skimpy on some of the glimpses into it because it is like the movie opens with this kangaroo on the side of the road that she cannot bring Mm -hmm. herself even though like riley is begging her she can't bring herself to put it out of its misery like she can't bring herself to kill it which is a a symmetry a bookend with what happens in the end she can't do it she can't bring herself to kill riley either so she becomes a sacrifice so i feel like the back half is a little bit more purgatory the the genie's out of the bottle this ghostly mm. realm will not quit until they have somebody brought into the fold. They like Riley, but they'll take Mia. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's kind of a waiting game of what's going to happen. And she's the one who goes. And that end shot, that end shot makes the whole back half worth it for me. It's yeah. so good. I agree. It is so uh, good. So it's, also- it's such a perfect bookend. Right. So it's less to me about her learning because I think her fate is sealed from the get go and more about how is this going to wrap up? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I it's an interesting thing to discuss. Also worth discussing your favorite moments. I think we've <laughs> kind of touched on it a little bit. But what were some of the things for you, John, that you were like, man, I love this movie. It's going to be in my top 10. Um, you know, I, I loved the possessions. I think everyone, you know, you get the big black iris, like eyes or pupil eyes and just that little bit of playful, malevolent, 
portrayal that everyone just kind of nailed. Like they mm-hmm. got, it, it was just like, oh, this is like, it's not totally over the top crazy, like reading, sp- spin your head around, throw up pea soup as much yeah. as it's just like, this is this twisted demonic entity that's like shaping me. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone nailed it. I mean, Riley and me and, and Daniel and like they, they were all, the ones that we saw were all really good and the depiction hell. And again, like the ending, I was like, I did not see that ending coming, but oh my God, come on. Like that's, that's how you do an ending. Yeah. Zena, you have any other standout moments that you're like, yes, the toe scene, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, um, I always wear socks to bed and I feel <laughs> just like... in case. <laughs> Just in case they're already told yeah, at this night. Is, okay. That's the reason <laughs> why, you know. But no, seriously, it was like that part was horrifying, but it also made me laugh. Um, yeah. because it was just so awkward and like she was really going in and like it was, you know, it started off creepy. You have that little woman or whatever it is coming from out of the corner. Like a oh, hungry that was dog. Good. I love that. Oh shot. my gosh, yes. Yeah, great scene. Uh, yeah, I definitely have to call out the hospital scene where a possessed Riley is just really oh, bashing yeah. his own skull in. That was, I think that was one of the moments where I'm like, this is not your average teen horror movie. Mm-hmm. And it is definitely not your average ghost horror movie. What, what yeah. subgenre do you think you would classify this? If you were to describe it, would it be demonic horror? Would it be, how would you classify this? Like what subgenre would you put this in? I would say demonic possession, social media yeah. type of horror going on. She's like, all of them. Sub, sub, <laughs> sub genre. You, know, you know, every single time the kids are always taking out their phones, you know, yeah. and then we, we know there's some demonic stuff going on. Clearly it's p- possession, you know, so supernatural. Yeah. John, how would you? Uh, how would you- yeah, I think demonic possession works because I didn't really catch... I don't know why it didn't click with me as much the first go round that Mia had gone over the time. Yeah. And that like that's why things are staying with her, but she was only a little bit over the time. So it's like the things were there and they could kind of get to her, but it took time and her going back and like the more contact she had versus Riley who had the extended contact thanks to her yeah um <laughs> and then yeah just the brutality of like the scene where he's beating his head against the 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 desk and and then like just uh, and my wife commented like when you first see him in the hospital mm-hmm. all swollen and he's alive and my wife, oh, yeah. her first comment was just poor baby yeah like it's just so because he's such a sweet little boy like this yeah. portrayal and then to see that was like oh that sucks yeah the makeup job excellent yeah. job guys yeah. yeah um also shout out to the puppy living uh, i thought mm. i was so worried about that dog yeah. when he was getting brought into the room where they were having their little party trick um yeah. so yeah he lived and that was also great yeah mm-hmm. um yeah and we we did touch on it but we i figured we need to definitively talk about the ending specifically if they did not have that ending how do you feel like you would have walked away from that film i feel like xena would have been nah but yeah i would have been disappointed but i would still again watch the well i would watch the sequel i just wouldn't be in a rush to watch it like i wouldn't bash the movie i wouldn't tell people (laughs) don't watch it it was terrible i i feel like you know it's it's a good watch but i don't know i can't 
because it's like again i feel like i keep on talking about with the character mia i, I just feel like she's different yeah. from her friends because for her to even be messing around with that in the first place it's just like all right you need something yeah. you need somebody um because unlike her friends you know she experienced real life death so it's just the fact that you're messing around with it and then you know what i mean like i don't know i just keep on going back to that but yeah i think that again if that ending was different if it was not like that um i i just would have been disappointed but i wouldn't be like yeah how important the was the ending to you john uh, uh, enough without it. I don't think it would have yeah. been my top movies of the year. I think I think I would have been fine with it. I think it would have been like this is a good movie. I don't think that it would have helped to resonate with me that they that they close the circle that well. Um, like it would have been fine if we just got in a montage of them going out of the hospital or something, and then all of a sudden you find the part the yeah. hand at a different party. The, you know the party that she ends up at or whatever or uh, or you know you, you, like you could have shot yeah. it different ways even you could have shot the exact same ending different ways that wouldn't have been as powerful to me as that like that mm -hmm. confusion and interpretation and like yeah. you hear that match strike and you still don't necessarily put together that first time that that's a candle lit in the distance like oh it's it's heaven Oh, like, no, oh yeah. no! Yeah. I yeah. am a sucker for any time filmmakers get a little bold with who they kill off, um, and to have your protagonist mm -hmm. have an ending like that, I feel I applaud that. I applaud that very much. I think that that really made it work for me. Um, and just to reiterate, because Zena mentioned it earlier, there is a sequel on the way in August 2023. They. Uh, the directors confirmed plans to develop the sequel. They said that they'd already written sequences. A24 announced that the sequel is tentatively titled Talk To Me, as in two is now a number two because sequel, haha. We'll see if it stays that way. But yeah, um, <laughs> it will have, they'll be back as directors and the script by returning writers, Danny and Bill Hinsman. So Danny co-wrote with Bill Hinsman. So I don't know if there's any other things that we might have missed that you wanted to talk about or anything else last minute uh no i mean mia had to die yeah right like there was mm -hmm. no question because she had nothing else somebody was had to go period but yeah yeah, yeah. But, but like she had killed her dad <laughs> I, I wonder so, is it definitive did she because they kind of leave it open-ended because these, oh, that's, that's what right. i was going to say you know because it, they find it because she I, finds him uh jade finds him still alive but then she sees the mom. ghost of him and he was at the hospital but, but that, oh, that's right so maybe not but yeah what she sees what she's yeah she sees like i think that that whole passage at the end is the hospital and time is now distorted yeah. for her because she's no longer alive so she sees dad but Dad's alive yeah. and well. She's mm -hmm. not. Yeah, he he was there visiting Riley or identifying her corpse or something like that. And sh then he's leaving. So, or he's getting out of the hospital from his neck wound. Yeah, yeah exactly. So he, he lived. She did not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Oh, and I my prop, my talk to me replica hand should be here by the end of oh, November. Oh, yeah, you got Whoa! one. I, I had to. I couldn't resist. Are you going to use it? Uh, you know what? I guess we're all going to find out, aren't we? Uh, we? We are. We are. One day John's going to pop up on our 
podcast recording and he's gonna have like the shunting behind him you have to pay way more attention to like what color my eyes look or how big my Whoa. pupils are <laughs> do you have any last minute thoughts or anything that we might have missed Zena? I mean, just stop doing dumb things. You know, I felt like there's so many movies. <laughs> no, then we don't have horror movies. Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> I mean, I, I think there could be other ways because that's not true because look at Barbarian. You know, and not that I'm comparing the she, two. Are she, you kidding? Towards she the end, though. She, come on. <laughs> towards the end. But she went in the house. Why'd she go in the house? I don't care if it's a scar. When she when she left, okay, she okay. This is another spoiler. So (laughs) you haven't seen Barbarian. Did we do the the live Barbarian deep dive, or was that Patreon? I don't don't know, but if it's Patreon, we might we might need to put that on the main feed. Okay, we should. We'll we'll have to go back. Yeah. (laughs) I meant towards the end when she met the homeless man, and you know, seemed like a good idea. You know, so that was kind of smart. Kinda. She had moments, <laughs> sure. But it's like when you're not, when you don't know you're in a horror movie and you're a teenager, yeah. like they're gonna do dumb stuff. I did some dumb. Did you ever play like Bloody Mary or try to think sure. of some? I did, Mitch. See, you know I, mean, I did. See, these are things that we did. When looking back, we're like, that's not a good idea. Yeah, or, it's or not. Told us it's not, but we did it. I mean, scroll through Instagram right now on, in like the reels or something, and you tell me you don't see anyone doing like something stupid. Grinding up Everyone. hot dogs to make a pie, yeah. whatever. Like, they're, they're... whatever <laughs> insanity yes. it is. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. Especially if you think someone could watch or view it or something. Like, but they didn't even okay. go that deep, which they could. But could've. hot dog pie is different from like. <laughs> <laughs> we are not. We're not here to discuss hot dog pie. <laughs> That's another episode. We will deep dive on hot dog no, pie some other time. Hot dog pies. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess I always look at it at how does it feel in line with the characters or it doesn't feel like it's breaking you out of the movie because it's contrived. Like they are shoehorning these characters to make them do, do dumb stuff to propel the plot forward. And they didn't really feel like that. With me, which I, I mean, I, I understand why that might for other people, but my read was that it felt very much like a teen who is desperate yeah. for connection and getting, I mean, cause she, she was picked on quite a bit. Her dad yeah. was, didn't know how to deal with her. You know, Miranda Otto's character, Sue was the closest mm-hmm. she had to surrogate mom and she turned on yeah. her pretty quickly. Jane mm-hmm. was not the greatest friend a lot of the she time. No, she friend. was not. Uh, she was way more interested in her phone and, the whole movie. And Jane's like <laughs> other friends were always like talking down on Mia. And it just it just to me, like it made sense why she ended yeah. up where she did, because it's like, well, you know, I've got this thrill and it's a nice escapism distraction. And oh, here's my mom who I was connected with, and nobody's not, I mean, if there's a moral of the story, I guess the moral is be kind and we're we're a community and we need people you know Mm -hmm. yeah i mean really it's a realistic portrayal of depression and despair that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it can't annoy you i get that yeah like i get that people like seeing a hero's journey but not everyone has a hero's journey right some people just spiral Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like I I agree. I really do. And I feel like majority of the time throughout the whole movie, I was like, okay, it's okay, Mia. You know, just <laughs> I'm right there with her. But then it's just like again, it's like all this stuff is still happening. And I'm not saying, oh, she she needs to learn. It's not that. It's just you oh, would yeah, yeah. think before she actually would do something. You saw what's been happening, you know? So I even kind of like the fact that when she went to the hospital, it seemed like, you know, to see if she could help Riley. Okay, that was cool. But then it's just, she was still, again, in the darkness, talking to a spirit. And I get it, you know, I get it. But uh, again, I keep on saying, I can't just keep on, like, I keep on going back to the fact that there was no type of, like, I don't even know what the word is. Like, she didn't really p- progress, you know? Like, and I yeah. get it. She's hurting. She's all these things. I just met after a while, it's just kind of like, all right. Yeah, this you know? is where it got stagnant for you. And you yeah. needed a little bit of an uphill or downhill, some some kind of tra- mm-hmm. trajectory there for you. I get that. Sure. Any other last minute thoughts or things we overlooked that should discuss? Oh, and I thought Haley and Joss were actually great antagonists. Like, not even really antagonists, but, like, catalysts, I suppose. Mm. Because they present the hand, they're kind of jerks to you, like, laughing Mm -hmm. at you. But they still partake in it. Yeah. Yeah. And they still kind of try and figure out what's going on with it. And they they didn't run after what happened to Riley. They still owned up. They had You kind of hear their conversation discussing it, but they Mm -hmm. they don't leave. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. uh, at first, I didn't really like Haley. But like for like different reasons, like I actually really like their performance mm-hmm. and like what the 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 perception of that antagonist being portrayed from by a trans person too, mm-hmm. like in that sort of a role and gender normative roles or expectations. Like I thought they were, I thought they were great. It's a pretty good cast. One yeah. last thing I was gonna say is, um, as far as it goes, like with the actual sound, I thought that they did. I know that sounds like weird, but mm. I think that they no, did no. like a really good job, like with the sound of it. You know, I noticed that yeah. like the second time around, and even with like the practical effects, and it wasn't like overly like gory. You know, it was like a really like good amount. They did great. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Sound design is key in horror, and they nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sure. I think that wraps it up then. And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week. Everyone, if you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Mag. Don't know why I leaned into that. Just chose to. <laughs> Xena can be found on her own website, realqueenofhorror.com, the YouTube channel in the same name, or at Lovely Xena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my still daily horror narration podcast, Creepy, as we finish up the 31 Days of Horror for one more week. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something funny.
Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.